0: The circulate content that is not suitable for kids like me. Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Erin Plym and Diana Seacon, where we prove
1: that we know nothing about our legal system,
0: but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. So this makes me giggle because this is not the first time we've done that today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is not... Which is silly because we had to do it to remember the <laughs> words we say.
0: <laughs> we couldn't remember what tense we when We were trying to order business cards. <laughs> so it took- and she's like, okay, just do it from the beginning. So we just sat in a little phone booth at
1: work and did our intro to each other. And those phone booths aren't soundproof. So I wonder how many people heard us and we're like, the fuck is going on in oh, there?
0: So I could hear the, the two men that sit with their backs to me. Mm. And then their front. Yeah. Talking. And I'm fairly certain they were talking about. <laughs> because we also had the lights out.
1: Because the light so was so hot.
0: they so pretty, but point, they're going to kill had us. Three people in the one person room. <laughs> and cupcakes. It was a great day at work.
1: It was a great day at work.
0: So Diana, did you learn anything this week?
1: I did. I learned something really cool.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. I am too. <laughs> so i i'm sorry i have to stop you there because i just noticed on the back of your notebook well on the back of the page that your notes are on that you have now a pre-printed space (laughs) for your advice so that you can write it down while we are recording and have appropriate advice at the end and it is literally labeled advice
1: but wait there's more (laughs)
0: Oh my god! <laughs> and then you pre-printed it. The- <laughs> so I know you guys can't see this. <laughs> she has she has a line because you know you have to define the different sections of your typed notes. Obviously, bound in a notebook, by the way. And so she has a line, and under the line it says advice, and then there's a bunch of lines where she can write the advice while we are recording. And then at the bottom, she has the advice that she gives every week
1: printed. So I don't think I've mentioned this on, on air before. Uh-huh. I have an auditory processing disorder. I don't remember what I hear. Well, so, like yes, that's fair. Like, every time you send me a podcast to do a listen, it's a surprise. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. You're totally editing from now on then because I get really bored. No, it is a a surprise every week. So that's the thing is if I pull something from my story, I'm going to remember that. But if you say something like, oh, I want to use that, I might forget it by the end of the podcast.
0: I have no problem with you having a
1: pen and a space to write. (laughs) What is making
0: me laugh is how formatted it
1: is. This is why you keep me around.
0: Okay, so what did you, now now I'll let you tell me what you learned this week.
1: Okay, so I learned. So this first part I knew, and I bet you did too. So the Titanic, the ship. Yes. Had two sister ships. There were three of them. Yes. Um, One was called the Olympic and one was called the Britannic, which I always thought it was the Britannia, but I guess I was wrong. Oh, oh, I did. Yeah, I double-checked it because I was like, oh, they just misspelled it. Nope, I've misread it for all these years. Huh. Yeah. So the Olympic was actually the first one to launch, and it went out to sea in 1910. She served in World War I and remained in service until 1935. Once it was decommissioned, the first-class lounge was removed. Okay. It is now a restaurant Oh cool. At the White Swan Hotel in Onwick in the UK. Oh cool. It gets better. So the original oak paneling, the stained glass windows, the mirrors and the ceiling, the revolving door that used to keep the sea breezes out of the lounge is now uh-huh. how you enter it. And the first class staircase are all still in use. They're in this oh, hotel. Wow. They are nearly identical to the lounge that was in the Titanic. It was the same, wow. same builders, all of that. Um and it's believed to be so similar that it's been used in films as the Lounge of the Titanic. Oh, sure,
0: sure. And
1: when they found the Titanic, um in the eighties, I don't remember when that was. I remember when it happened, I just don't remember when it was Yeah. Um, that was how one of the recovery divers knew what they were looking at with the oh. debris; is they were able to match it to right this restaurant.
0: That is so cool!
1: Isn't that cool?
0: Huh? So I learned something about the Olympic. Olympic? No,
1: the ship. The Olympic? Yeah, yeah,
0: Olympic. Yeah, not not Olympia. Now I've got them mixed up in oh. my head. You said that, and I'm like, no, that's not right. Um. And I am just assuming it's true because it was in Devil in the White City. <laughs> <laughs> seems but, seems I legit. Mean, I listened to all of the... Like the end with all the references and the where all of it. So I feel like it's, it's true. But that it was actually on its way to help with the rescue efforts when the Titanic was sinking.
1: Oh. And
0: either the owner or the person who designed somebody who was in charge told it to change its course because he didn't want the twin of the sinking ship showing up to try to rescue people like he didn't want them to see the same ship come to get them
1: interesting it it
0: didn't it just went on its way huh which i don't know what the implications are there but it was very tragic to think about
1: it was but I mean, that happened so quickly.
0: Oh, I'm not sure that... I mean, I don't know. I don't know how close it was or if they could have made any difference. But even just thinking about like what that would have been
1: like. Right. But even the Carpathia didn't make it there until after it was all underwater. Right. I mean, it was, what, 70 minutes? It was, oh, yeah.
0: No. I, there, was, there had been
1: nothing. <laughs> I think the movie was longer than the... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was my... First date with my husband was to go see the Titanic, and his brother and his brother's girlfriend or fiance I don't know what they were at the time came with us.
1: Aww, yeah, young we love.
0: Drive. <laughs> and apparently, we needed chaperones in the movie
1: theater. I think I saw Titanic with Dave. Huh, Perfect. Dave, you've been a theme recently. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, I think that's totally true. I think we went to, I think uh, us and his girlfriend <laughs> and one of her friends, uh, we all went to see, the, see Titanic. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's really cool. Yeah, that it, would now that's something I want to do. Totally, I am going to add that to my list of things to do when I go to Europe.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check out where I don't know where this where Alnwick is. I didn't look that up, but oh, I doesn't matter. We'll I'm, figure it out.
0: It's all small compared to like I don't know. I also want to go to. California and go do stuff and want to go to you know yeah so if I'm already there yeah
1: it's cool so Erin uh-huh did you learn something this week I
0: did I well so I a lot of the things I learned this week weren't really learning so much as like learning things about people and whatever else but um I so this is also devil in the white city stuff but this I looked up to verify that it was fact so I know that it is (laughs) I learned a couple thing about things about H.H. Holmes Ooh. after his or during and after his death. Okay. okay, so the first one, which is in *Devil in the White City*, is that when he was buried, he was worried that somebody was going to like steal his body after he was dead,
1: like he did,
0: like he liked to do, and uh, so he had himself encased in concrete and then mm-hmm. guarded and all this other stuff. So, I mean, all, that's yeah the guards who were guarding him took turns sleeping through the night because like, they guarded him all night long so they would have shifts. And when they weren't on guard duty, they slept in a coffin.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess. What else would you do? I, so, but at the same
0: time, I'm trying to figure out how that worked because they were at the cemetery. So was this an unused coffin? Why was there an empty coffin at the cemetery?
1: Well, was there like a mortuary there and Maybe. Probably more comfortable than a table.
0: No, yeah. I think that probably sleeping in a coffin would be potentially relatively comfortable.
1: I mean I need more cushioning than that, but
0: Well yeah, but I mean if that the choice is. If that's like, my
1: choice, yeah. A metal table or a coffin. Right. Yeah, all right.
0: I mean at least it's gonna be warm and Well and
1: it was short time too, because didn't he only have the guards until he was it presumed like, to be so rotted that they wouldn't want to...
0: Oh, I don't know. This was the only the only ones I know that like took turns sleeping in the coffin were between the time that he was put into his coffin with cement and they brought the coffin to the graveyard and then they guarded it overnight and the next day they filled the, gra- the double plot mm. with cement and put the coffin in that cement.
1: Oh, okay. So it was
0: just that night that I know that they stayed all night and slept. I don't know how long... How long they guarded after.
1: Oh, maybe they didn't then. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But because if he's in cement, like, I mean, he's going to be real messed up if they try to bring him up. Well, right. I More messed up than the cat under my deck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No big sticky sheet in the 1880s. Yuck.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. But at the same time, when I was listening to that part, I was like, but. In a way, you've preserved yourself. Whereas if you just rotted or you were cremated or something, that would have deterred people more, I would think. Like, now we crack open the cement, which people can totally do, and they just get you out.
1: But was the theory that... Because grave robbers won't come to it. Well, right. Grave robbers have to be in and out. Like, they're not going to put a lot of effort into it. But also, like, if he is in cement, you're not getting him out whole. Like, he's not worth anything at that point
0: no Um, and I know that there were people that wanted his brain and Mm. that was a big disappointment and all but at the same time I know where all of him and the clothes he was wearing and everything else I mean I granted not in human form at the moment but like he's all there
1: right which is just weird where is he buried
0: he is buried Uh uh-huh I don't remember I don't either But I thought he wasn't put to death in Illinois.
1: No, it was out east It was like Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. I think it was Pittsburgh. I think he's in Pittsburgh. That seems right.
0: So the other thing that I learned that was kind of related while I was verifying that the guard sleeping in the coffin thing was like real, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that when he was hanged, his neck didn't snap and that he strangled to death over 15 to 20 minutes. Yep. Holy crap. Not that he doesn't totally deserve that. Yeah. But I can't. Hanging is one of those methods of death that like really bothers me for some reason. Like I'm not bothered by most of that stuff.
1: Yeah. I don't want a
0: long, slow death. But for some reason, hanging really bothers me. Um, Even
1: when it goes well, it's horrifying. It is. And by well, I mean efficiently. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah, I just
0: can't imagine having to witness that. Mm-hmm. You don't know why you don't immediately pull them back up and try again. Like, I don't know. That's just horrible.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know how if that's how it... Like, there's not a crank on it. No, I I know. But... Oh, but then you have to do it again. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just... It's rough. But all, I feel all like
0: if a couple people lifted you back up and you set the platform, or however they were doing it, back up, right? You could you could try again and be successful faster. Yeah. Than letting the person strangle to death over fifteen minutes. Yeah. I oh. just. Wow. That's rough. It is not that he didn't totally one hundred percent deserve it but right
1: still. but still
0: well okay so so i have a story for you
1: <gasps> yay
0: and it is not nope that's a lie i was gonna say it's not a murder <laughs> story but there is murder but the point is not murder i tried to do something different and then people fucking died anyway oh man and so there is murder but i just can't trust people <laughs> i know right
1: so On August 9th,
0: 1992, I was 10.
1: That is the day before my sister's third birthday.
0: Oh. Who doesn't listen to the podcast? No. It is 10 days before my grandmother and cousin's birthdays, but I don't know which birthdays because I'd have to math. (laughs) I'm not doing that. Yeah. In Seattle, Washington, on August 9th, 1992, Three churches caught fire, and the fire departments came out, um, and they were just just destroyed, just burned to the ground. So one of the churches was Trinity Lutheran.
1: Actually, all three were Lutheran churches. Wait, what variety of Lutheran?
0: I have no idea.
1: Were they ELCA? I
0: I don't know.
1: This is important.
0: It is not important. To we the story. have a list.
1: It. We have a listener to whom it will be very important.
0: Well, there are about to be a hell of a lot more churches, so I bet we cover <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um, they were some sort of Lutheran church,
1: hopefully not ELCA,
0: with a Reverend Rouse. Um, and he decided that they were going to conduct services anyway in the parking lot the morning after. So while all the investigation is going on, and they this was another thing I learned. Uh, they brought out arson dogs. I don't know why I didn't know there were arson dogs. It totally makes sense. Right.
1: I didn't know there were arson dogs. Arson
0: dogs. They sniff around for accelerant. Like, why would you not use a dog oh for that? Oh, my God. Why have I never... No, no. I know.
1: <laughs> I think that's what we really <laughs> learned this
0: week. <laughs> right. So they're having their, their service in the parking lot. I'm certain... I mean, it doesn't matter what they're talking about. But um, I, I'm guessing... The fire.
1: Jesus. Right, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe both.
0: Um So the arson dogs were, were sniffing around looking for accelerant and you know, any other evidence. Um, they sniffed around. They had investigators there. Um, they could not find any trace of an accelerant used in any of the fires. Hmm. What they did discover is that in all three cases, which all the churches were burned on the same night, mm-hmm. in all three cases, the fires were started the same way and in the same kind of place. Okay. So it was about chest height. Um, and just on the side of a building and from what they could determine just with like a cigarette lighter, just, they just started a fire and they like burned the ground and they burned the churches to the ground. Wow. With no accelerant and they didn't start them inside or like catch paper on fire and shove it in or they just caught the buildings on fire. So, which I don't, that part blew my mind and I looked at pictures of how they determined this and it's so obvious. On the corners of these buildings, there is a huge black like circular mark where they caught the church on fire and it's much darker than everything that burned around it. And it is, it's like you reached straight out and lit it on fire and then it just went up. Wow. Yeah. So I guess really good at choosing flammable locations on a building or flammable building yeah.
1: or like you have you have to know something
0: I don't I have trouble starting bonfires I was
1: going to say like sometimes the candle lighter escapes me Yes
0: <laughs> right <laughs> I could not I don't know that I could successfully light a building on fire from the outside at all No maybe not with an accelerant
1: I probably end up spilling it on myself
0: oh 100 i would die in the (laughs) attempt but i mean like inside okay i'd probably go for like curtains or something
1: right or like i mean depending on the age of the church like the wooden pews although varnish maybe they wouldn't go up so nicely
0: well i know they might i mean that could act as an accelerant right
1: i mean like the like the old heavily varnished like they've been over the years like it'd be hard Um, to get through but
0: Yeah, Yeah, but a lot of pews, I mean, depending on the age of the church, too, are like, ours were like essentially, they were upholstered, but it was basically carpet. Yeah. But I guess it was probably also like a polyester or like a nylon carpet, which wouldn't be, it would melt, but
1: it wouldn't. Well, the other thing with Lutheran churches is they tend to be a little bit more, and again, I grew up here, which is Scandinavian and heavily Lutheran, but they tend to be a little bit more modern and a little bit more spare. Right. Whereas when you think of like a Catholic church, like there's lots of, Stuff. Stuff.
0: But all of that is still inside, and all of these fires were lit from the outside. Like, they walked up (sighs) to the corner of the building and caught it on fire. That is
1: amazing. Right? I, I, (laughs) I No, that has totally blown my mind.
0: Well, it gets more insane. So, in the next couple of weeks, there were eight more fires. All of them at churches. Mostly Lutheran churches. But now, we have we have different ones so perhaps we
1: have caught all the kinds of lutheran as well (laughs) got all the different synods got the lca did they start moving into like the
0: baptist baptist churches go up real fast because they're covering like fried chicken grease right maybe that's just southern baptist but
1: i mean i don't i don't know we don't have a ton of baptists up here i don't think oh so but no catholics
0: yeah i yeah i don't know so all protestant um i don't know okay It didn't, it didn't specify, like the articles that I read didn't say what they were, just that they were, they were all churches. And the reason that's significant is because then, um, the arsonist moved on to businesses and personal like homes. Hmm. So almost every fire this person set was at night. There were 12 more fires lit at night, same way from the outside, no accelerant, like just in the middle of the night. Um, from between August and January of 1992. Wow. So by the time January was over, there had been a total of 25 chur- or churches and businesses and homes that this arsonist burned. All of them were the same. At night, chest height, no accelerant. Not only that, but he seemed to be keeping a careful watch. And I say he because most arsonists are men. Right. And especially when you're doing it this way where you're just sort of randomly burning shit right he was keeping a careful watch on the fire department and where they went and so he would start a fire like if there's a fire department you know on main street he'd start a fire a mile to the east and then when they were almost to that fire he would be so he didn't stay and watch which is unusual for an arsonist he'd be on the other side of town lighting another fire so that by the time they got there they were already late to this next fire he'd light multiple ones in the night and just let them run around and try to put all of these things out. So, the the city had a huge issue and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so far, nobody had been hurt in any of these fires. Like, everybody managed to get out, even though they were often occupied, especially the homes. Wow. And there was an interview that I watched on Forensic Files, actually, where one of the women that got out of one of the houses, she and her roommate were home. And I think she was maybe in the bath or, or something. And she got out, and there was smoke and heat. And so they tried. So she went and got a roommate, and they tried to leave, walked out on the front porch. The whole front porch was just in flames. Oh. And so she said it was just this, like, this split-second decision. And they, they chose right, and they managed to get out through the back door. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she could have tried something else, and then it she would have only had one chance to make the right choice.
1: Right, but I suppose without an accelerant, I mean, not that fire is slow, but it is slower. Right. Like, there is more chance for people to get out. Yes. Yeah. If there's not they a They had better, in- better odds. Yeah.
0: Well, and there's just one ignition point in all these fires. So it all, they couldn't have known that though. So it would still be.
1: Well, right, right, know, right.
0: But they did stand a pretty good chance because like presumably by the time you notice there's a fire, it has engulfed one corner of yeah. whatever building you're in. Um, So yeah, so people, people managed to get out.
1: But well. also smart on his part because if all he wants is. Is the fire to, to light the world on fire? Yeah, <laughs> you know, then well, he doesn't want to add murder, no, in there. Yeah,
0: he didn't seem to be, he didn't seem to have a whole lot of a message other than he started with churches, specifically Lutheran churches. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots of fire, and he didn't injure people, he just destroyed shit.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, and apparently was like magic with fire,
1: yeah, apparently.
0: So The city, in an attempt to get this under control, had to form a task force for this incident um, or this series of crimes. And they actually used like criminal profiling for one of the very first times that it was ever used. And of course, what they came up with, actually, I bet, how about you guess? What do you think was the profile? Describe the individual they thought they were looking
1: for. Oh, I would say single white man, 25 to 35. Um, Not college educated, maybe Mm -hmm. went and dropped out, but Mm -hmm. didn't finish. Um, Some kind of blue collar job. You're pretty damn close. Not a native of Seattle. Ooh, why not a native of Seattle? Too many fires. Oh, well, though, I mean, I'd like to burn down some things in my hometown. I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that.
0: So what they said was white male, um, late teens to early 20s. They thought he was younger than, than what you described.
1: Because <gasps> he was more reckless, I think. More reckless. I'm going to add gay. Ooh, why gay? Um because that amount of anger towards a religious institution mm-hmm. makes me think that there is something about his philosophy and the religious philosophy that don't mesh. And mm-hmm. at that if we're looking at late twenties, early 20 or late teens, early twenties, that's a sexuality thing. True.
0: That's a good time. And the Lutherans that. at
1: that point, I know because I used to work for them. Uh, <laughs> we're not officially cool with homosexuality.
0: Right. Um, So interesting that you say that. That is not, to my knowledge, the case, nor was it something in their profile, but it's pretty close. So they said, late teens, early 20s, um, that he was probably a salesperson or a delivery person Mm -hmm. because he seemed to have really good knowledge of the geography of the area and, and was mobile, that he was very smart, but not successful.
1: Mm. that
0: so like going to college and dropped out Mm -hmm. that he had experienced some sort of loss or trauma recently okay and that he probably had problems with drugs or alcohol
1: i think they always just throw that in
0: i mean i feel like most of this they're just like well obviously something upset him and i mean it's all kind of common sense but at the same time also accurate so (laughs) anyway um So they came up with this profile. They started kind of trying to narrow people down, like look at suspects. They were not terribly successful. So fire number 28 was the first time he made a mistake. He left a couple of fingerprints on a windowsill near where he lit the fire. Hmm. They ran his fingerprints, no hits. So he had no criminal record um fire number 42 holy shit he lit somewhere where there was snow on the ground and they found in the snow near the fire human urine and so they collected it so glad that's not my job yeah. although it kind of is because diapers but still
1: this is a little bit more contained yes
0: Well, they collected it and they tried to get epithelial cells to have a DNA profile. But unfortunately, with the amount of urine that they were able to collect and the fact that it was in the snow, it was just all too diluted and they didn't find anything. Mm -hmm. So that was not terribly successful. On September 22nd, 1992, there was the first murder. So on September 22nd, he lit a senior citizen home, like a nursing home on fire. And three women did not manage to make it out in time. So obviously, I mean, all of his other fires, he'd lit them with people home, but they were younger and more able to get out, more mobile. These guys were not. So it was not an intended murder, but he killed three people. And their names were Bertha Nelson, who was 93, Mary Doris, who was 77, and Adeline Stockness, who was 72. All died in the fire. (sighs) so one of the investigators that was on the task force after these women died was so frustrated with his job and so upset that they hadn't been able to prevent because I mean they they had a good long stretch not long so much in days because it's still only been a handful of months but you know 42 fires And no, or more than 42 fires and no deaths. He was so upset that he actually became suicidal at that point and and didn't want to continue living or working the case or anything. And (sighs) he did, he, he's still around. So he managed to overcome that. But
1: I suppose that is a losing your faith in humanity moment
0: right and like you have one if you're on that task force and there are these this many fires like that's your whole life yep and you have one thing to do and Mm -hmm. there's a ton of you doing it with all of this technology and all of these people and you can't you can't even keep people safe. Like
1: let's not overestimate the technology of nineteen ninety two. Well Okay. <laughs> Fair.
0: <laughs> Fair. I mean But you what? have as much as the guy who's lighting the fires who's lighting them with no tech like
1: just right. lighting them. But I but I think back to uh as we just discussed, the X Files are twenty five years old. They came yeah. out X Files started in ninety three, it must have been. Uh-huh. Um if we'd had DNA sequencing yeah. That show would have been a six-episode, like, miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's
0: true. That's Guess true. Guess what?
1: Scully's not an alien. Scully is an alien. Alien. Done. <laughs> right. Boom. Yeah. They
0: had a tip line, of course, with this task force. And they got a call shortly after the murders. Because, you know, now it's even more serious than it was. It's not just... I mean, it's tragic when it's people's homes... And it's tragic when it's churches in a, a different kind of way. I think businesses, people are less upset when yeah. businesses burn. Um, but when somebody dies, now it's a really big deal. Well, and
1: when it's a retirement home.
0: Yes. Like three like grandmas die.
1: You know those people can't. Right. You don't go to the home because your mobility is excellent. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And I don't know how many people were living there. That would have been an interesting thing to look up. Like how many people did they managed to get out because I bet that was also really, really hard, not just on the investigator, but like the staff that were there and trying to get all of these people out and had to leave people behind. I assume that's basically what happened is at some point they couldn't go get any more people out. I can't imagine
1: that. No. And you hear about that. Like at Katrina, they talked about that a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. At some point you just can't,
1: you just can't. There's nothing else you can do.
0: Yep. Yeah, and when it's you can't help someone else and they are still alive at that point when you have to make that decision, like that has to be a 100 times worse than I was reaching for her and mm-hmm. then it was too late.
1: Well, and I, I don't know if any of this is true and I don't want to look into it, but I heard that especially at like hospitals and, and whatnot mm-hmm. around Katrina that they're, they helped people into... Yeah, um. And, you know, I know there was a huge outcry about that. I'm 100% okay with it. No, I am too. That's so much kinder than... Just letting them be there and scared and things shutting down. And, I mean, full disclosure, I am 100% behind physician-assisted suicide. If you want to do it, like, do it right. With
0: some strict rules about... Who gets to make the decision and what sort of state they have to be well, in right. to make the decision? But yeah, no, 100%. Like, we do it to our animals. And if you take your pet and have them put down because they're suffering, people are like, yeah, but it was awful, but that was the right thing to do. You're right. a good, if you do it to your great grandma,
1: you're a horrible human You're dang. a
0: murderer. That doesn't make any sense. After the September 22nd fires where there were deaths, um, the tip line that they had set up finally yielded a result. And this woman called and she said that she remembered several weeks ago she had been near one of the fires when it started and that this man had bumped into her um, like right as she noticed the fire had started. So Mm -hmm. like caught it out of the corner of her eye or whatever. She looks over and as she's like, oh, my God, there's a fire. This guy bumped into her. And the reason that she remembered him is because he was dressed kind of unusually. He was dressed, she said, very nicely. Like, too nicely to be walking around outside at night. Hmm. And I guess it had just seemed weird to her, and then he'd bumped into her, and she was pretty sure that she had seen his car, but she didn't really remember any other details. So the police decided, or the task force decided, to do something kind of unusual, which was hypnosis. Hmm. And the problem with hypnosis is multiple well okay the legal issue with hypnosis is that it's not admissible right and not only is it not admissible but once you hypnotize somebody and then question them about the event event they are no longer a potential witness at all you can't use their testimony oh yeah so um because they could have all of these like fabricated memories. And so now they're not a good witness even if they just talk about the things they remembered before hypnosis or outside of like you can't use them at all anymore.
1: Well, and that was right around the time that like that recovered memory stuff yes. was a big deal. A big
0: problem, yeah. But they had no leads. People were now dying. There had been, you know, 50-ish fires. It was it was a big problem. They had to do something. So they were like, okay, we don't care if we can convict this guy. We need a lead. He's set all these fires. Surely there will be evidence. We just... We've got to find him. And so they decided on hypnosis. Um, It was one of the first times that they ever did this. They called it forensic hypnosis. So Hmm. basically like for a crime. (laughs) (laughs) it, It wasn't any sort of special whatever. But they took her in and they did hypnosis. And they... They... Recovered or helped her recover some memories. So what they did was they had her focus on some of the things that she could remember, some of the senses. And her triggering sense was a smell. Like she Mm -hmm. smelled, um, oh, I don't remember what it was that she said she smelled. It was maybe like a, a... car exhaust or something so it wasn't like he had used an accelerant in this one and she was smelling but it was just something else that was in the area when this incident happened and once she focused in on that she started to remember some things kind of relax I think I think that all makes sense and I totally buy it like hypnosis Mm -hmm. in general Sure, it's like a placebo and it's going to work if you think it's going to work kind of thing. But there's there's something
1: to hypnosis. Yeah,
0: relax and then focus on something a little mm-hmm. bit outside. Yeah, of course you're going to be able to, to come up with more.
1: But there's also something about smell. Yes. Like even as poorly as I smell, um, I have my grandparents' Christmas tree and Christmas ornaments. Yeah. And I didn't put them out for years because I had cats and a job in health insurance, so I wasn't home or on Christmas much. Yeah. Um. But I remember the first year I opened them up after Liam was born, and it smelled like my grandparents' house. Yes. And I could not tell you what my grandparents' house smelled like. I would not have even told you that my grandparents' house had a had smell, a smell. Mm-hmm. until I opened that box 20 yeah. years later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's what worked for her. Um, and under hypnosis and with this scent memory and everything else, what she remembered was he was a tall man. His hair was like brushed back from his face. Um, he had a sedan that she was pretty sure was like a dark blue. It was the middle of the night. So Um, he was very clean. He was also very drunk. And she could remember a couple of characters on the license plate. She remembered K, 4, and N. Hmm. And that took a lot of doing. Like she remembered K, and then they had to keep coming back to it. Eventually she also remembered 4 and N. So they brought her out. They talked to her or whatever. Um, later they brought back a, a sketch artist and they had her go back under hypnosis and describe the guy. So then they did something else I didn't know that they ever did, which is they released the sketch that she created, but they also released two control sketches that were not related mm-hmm. so that if there were false tips and reports they would know they'd be able to weed those out.
1: Ooh. I didn't
0: know they did that. That seems like counterproductive, but That's
1: also really makes clever. Sense, yeah. Right? <laughs>
0: Like okay, well there are two thirds of them. We know they're not real. Like now we only have this this pool to choose from.
1: What if they accidentally drew somebody who's totally real and everybody's like, oh arsonist? He's like, no, (laughs) that's not me. I don't know how they got it. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I mean, unless they um like sketched one of them or like yeah, you know something. It would just
1: be terrible if it's just just by happenstance, right? Right.
0: (laughs) They used an old one from some guy that they killed. Right. Yeah. So at that point, they released the profile to the public. They released the three sketches to the public and they waited for more tips. And they got one. A man named George Keller, who was like in his 50s or 60s, saw the sketch on the TV and thought, he looks really familiar. So he went to his office. He owned a business, um, an advertising agency. And he went to work. And he started pulling up cell phone records of all of his salespeople and found that the person that he thought the sketch looked like had one of their company's cell phones, and the cell phones had been, had made calls in the areas where these fires had been lit. So he was like doing his own detective work before he even called.
1: Right, but also 1992, Salt Lake. Yeah. Nobody had cell phones. Yeah. I, yeah. Apparently. Yes. Well, no, I'm sure something like like that makes sense, but like those were still new. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, he also looked at credit card records for his corporate cards, and sure enough, same thing. Those had been used in the areas where the fires were. You can't the use one. your
1: corporate credit card when you're all drunk and lighting fires. You've got to use your own credit cards.
0: It wouldn't <laughs> have mattered because the person he thought the sketch looked like was his son, Paul. Oh, no. So before he called the police, he got a hold of the, the profile that they had given out. He's like, I'm going to look through it and I am certain there's going to be something in here that's like, and he's killed 47 cats and I'll know it's not him. Or, and he's a twin. Or, you know, some, some right. detail that disqualifies him. He said every bit of it was spot on.
1: Uh, he was a young
0: white male with an alcohol problem who was a traveling salesperson who looked like the sketch, who had had a loss in his life, who... um I forget what else was in that thing. Let's see. I guess that's about it.
1: Not, not successful.
0: Oh, very smart, but not successful. No college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul Keller, who was his son, was 27 years old, oldest of three sons. Their family was a very, very religious Lutheran family. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, he traveled for work because he was selling daddy's advertising. He had an obsession with fire He had set a fire when he was nine years old. He was very smart, but he had always done poorly in school and gotten poor grades, didn't go to college, and had a big drinking problem. And recently was going through a divorce and was having to file bankruptcy because of how bad his financial situation was because of the divorce. Uh. So all the boxes checked. Not only that... But the first three numbers of his license plate or or letters K four N. Wow. Yup. Nailed it. Wow. So he called the police, told them everything he knew, which <sighs> yeah, I can't imagine. I, I I don't know anything about the family and I can only, you know, make assumptions that something didn't go right. But I can't imagine doing that. Like
1: how if if my son is listening to this at any point and it better not be now cuz not appropriate but if it is 2028 20, and Liam you're listening if you ever do anything that makes me turn you into the police like oh fucking disown you yeah like no hmm yeah no i, <laughs>
0: I i'm so Boom. torn because I see it with Sophie's birth mom and her mom that have gone down that sort of similar path with being in a lot of trouble and she's still very supportive. And I can't... On the one hand, her kids aren't bad people. And like this guy, I think he's a bad people. And and I'll get yeah. to a little bit of that, like even more so than the fact that he lit all these fires and killed some old ladies. Like he was a bad people. But so it's nice that there is somebody there who's gonna love you and be supportive on the other hand i'm not sure if she's really doing them any favors
1: well and there's a uh, kind of a line too because i you know i say this now as a mother of a well-behaved nine-year-old right i will fucking disown you he's still my baby right and he's my only baby
0: yeah Well, no, and so Tyler is at the age where if he wanted to get into some trouble, and he's off at school right now, he could totally get into some major trouble. Yep. He could go out drinking and kill a bunch of people. He could, I mean, there's all kinds of things that he could do that aren't even like bad people things, but even even if he did, no. (laughs) Not a challenge. No, not a challenge. (laughs) No, he doesn't listen. But um, I don't know. I mean, there would be a line where I 100% am not going to pay for an attorney, but I'm not sure right. I wouldn't still put a little bit of money on your commissary once you're in prison, right? And and no, yeah, I'm not going to bail you out, and but write letters, right? Like I'm going to let you go to prison. Yeah, you you deserve. Like if you've done this, there's nothing I can do for you, even no. if I wanted to, even if I wasn't like, oh my god, that can't be my kid. Like, so yeah, that's where you should end up,
1: which I think is in a better place, by the way. When you say, oh my god, that can't be my kid, versus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so the police, when he went to the police and he told them all the things that he knew, the police were certain they had found the right guy. Mm. But they couldn't use the witness evidence. So the license plate is out. The ID is out. the I mean, like, basically everything they had is out. Right. They have the profile. But, but based lots on of people the, fit that. Lots of people do. And based on the profile, the dad never would have called because, you know, it didn't trigger anything wasn't specific enough so they decided they were going to need to catch him in the act of some crime so that they could go search his residence and all the rest of this stuff mm-hmm. so for three days they had surveillance round the clock on this guy but they kept losing him And it didn't sound like he was aware of the surveillance. So apparently he was just kind of sneaky and which, I mean, I think you'd have to be if you're lighting multiple fires in a night. And and not leaving
1: evidence, not getting caught, not, I mean, like,
0: and keeping track of the fire department and where they are and where you need to be so that you can drag them all around. Like, so I think he just was sort of naturally that way.
1: That is also way more thinking than I am able to do sober, to be frank.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> all, it, all of those movie pieces? And every night. Like, it wasn't like he was occasionally setting a fire and then six months later he was... No, it was like multiple fires a night. He never rested.
1: Well, and if he was drunk all the time... Yeah. Like, that's...
0: He was certainly drunk at the one fire yeah. when he bumped into the woman. Like That is, that is some high-functional alcoholism. Yeah, there. no kidding. So they kept losing him, which made them very nervous. So finally... They, they just, they were like, you know, we don't want to lose him. We don't want him to light another fire and kill more people. Like we can't handle that. So they arrested him Mm -hmm. and the dad, George Keller was at the police station when they brought him in and he said, he looked at his son and he was like, you're, he gave him a hug and he whispered in his ear like your life, it's, it's over like everything in your life. It's just done. Like that's the past. Like now just tell them what you've done. There's no, there's nothing you can do to go back. So at first Paul did not take his advice and he went in and he's like, I didn't do, I don't know why you think it's me. Like what what evidence do you have? It's not me. I'm totally innocent. 15 minutes in, one of the police officers said to him, you know, I gotta say like it's been months and we have a task force just for you and you are the best we've ever seen. Like, (laughs) You're incredible. You light these fires. There's no accelerant. We can't catch you. We couldn't even, like, surveil you. Like, we couldn't find you. Um, And at that moment, he's like, well, well, I thank you. And then confessed (laughs) to everything.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. So they fingerprinted him. And, of course, the prints matched. Yep. And.
1: They made him pee in a snow pink. Yeah. (laughs) Right?
0: They were like, oh, yeah, that's yellow. They. They. They talked to him, he so when I say he confessed to everything, it's not entirely accurate. He confessed to seventy-six fires. <gasps> they ended up convicting him of over a hundred and five fires.
1: Did he keep a calendar?
0: I I mean I sort of assume that he confessed to seventy six because that's what he remembered. Like Right, but that's a lot
1: of remembering.
0: And this was just
1: That's what I'm saying. Did he keep a calendar? I don't
0: I don't know. So he told them that he had a cigarette lighter and that is how he lit all those fires. He would walk up to a building and light it on fire. That was it. That was the whole thing. Wow. So again, magic, because I can't make fire work when I want to no. and when it's in an appropriate fireplace. Right. <laughs> like, it still doesn't work for me. Um, he was, and there are some interviews with him, absolutely remorseless. Just completely cold. Um, he had no connection whatsoever to the damage that he had done. He just was very factual about it. He's like, yeah, I had a problem with fire. And all of his interviews, he's not, he's not taunting. He's not like evil. But it's like he's not talking about a fire. It's like he's talking about, I don't know, something that he went out and did with Friends are like, oh, I got drunk and I behaved badly in that bar. Yeah, I did that. I used to have a problem with that, blah, blah, blah. Just like it's nothing. Wow. And it's it's scary. So he was convicted of, I think it was like 108 fires or something, 100 and something fires. Um, they sentenced him to 99 years in prison. So he'd be like 100 and, what was he, 27? So like- 126? Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know how old he was when they- he may have been a little older, but anyway, yeah, way too old. Like he's not gonna, he's not gonna make it. Um, his father got on the news and apologized to the families Aww. and basically said, you know, we knew there was something wrong with him, but we had no idea he was doing this. And you know, I've tried to make it right, but we are gonna remember every one of, of these people for the rest of our lives. That's all we're gonna ever think about yeah. is how our kid destroyed all these lives. Um, kid has no. No remorse whatsoever. Wow. I just... yeah. that is so many fires. It was what August to September. I don't know when they actually caught him, but it wasn't it wasn't all that long after the end of September, so wow. I mean, still, just a couple months.
1: That is just insane. That's an
0: insane, even if it was six months, that's an insane. That's memory. a lot of fire. Right? Every couple days. Yeah. Except that he did a bunch in one night. Oh, the one thing I didn't say was the night of the most fires, there were 12. Oh my God. In one night. I can't fucking light a bonfire. Like, I just keep going back to all the times I have tried to light things on fire that are supposed to be fire. Right. In a safe environment. And he can light 12 buildings on fire. With
1: a cigarette lighter. In one night. Like you didn't, how do not even a time? How long does a cigarette lighter last? I don't know. I, don't I, mean, either. <laughs> I never,
0: not either. I would assume he had more than one cigarette lighter.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you got to run out of the... Yeah. Whatever it is in there.
0: Maybe, it's, maybe it was like a Zippo and he just kept refilling it. Just, just refilling
1: it. it, yeah. I mean, if you're going to spend that much time with your lighter, it might as well be a nice one. Right? But wow. yeah.
0: So, cereal arsonist. But an unusual one. Like Yeah. I guess he maybe really liked the, the way that he could control the response. Mm-hmm. And he obviously was very intelligent. He's very clever and did not get caught, which I think, I think probably does go hand in hand with, I, I feel like that goes hand in hand with arson, that a lot of arsonists are pretty intelligent. Yeah. Um, but didn't stick around. He said he, I think he only watched one of his buildings burn.
1: Yeah, and that's unusual. Right.
0: Because otherwise, what's the point? Right. Like, generally speaking, that's why you light a fire. You want to watch the fire. Which, I mean, I mean, biologically and evolutionarily, we all want to watch a fire. Yeah. But especially if you're the
1: kind of person who lights fires. Right. Wow. So, yeah. Something gets a no parole. No. <laughs> no parole. Wow.
0: Maybe that's what I was reading, that he would be eligible for parole, but it's like when he's 113 or something. Yeah, so not. So not. Not, no. <laughs> so not. Yeah. Not, not going to happen. You don't live that long in prison.
1: No. You don't live that long most places.
0: No, but <laughs> certainly not into your 90s in prison.
1: No. Mm-mm.
0: So yeah. Wow. That's my serial arsonist, wherein I learned about arson dogs, and I'm... I learned about- um, decoy sketches. Yeah, that's pretty and, cool. Yeah, and apparently some people are magic with fire.
1: Yeah. At least no. one guy. This yeah. one,
0: yeah. One dude. Cool. So, do you have a story for me?
1: I do. I have a story for you, but first I want you to close your eyes.
0: Oh God, okay. i trusting
1: you. And picture mm-hmm. the Edvard Munch painting The Scream.
0: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: there are several theories about what the scream means and monks influences Uh but i want to read you something from from the man himself okay in a diary entry titled "Nice," 22 january 1892 he wrote i was walking along the road with two friends the sun was setting suddenly the sky turned blood red i paused feeling exhausted and leaned on the fence there was blood and tongues of fire above the blue black fjord in the city. My friends walked on and I stood there trembling with anxiety and I sensed an infinite scream passing through nature. Hmm. There's another, uh, I think it was an interview that he did where he talked about his influences and the last lines were, the color shrieked, this became the scream.
0: also very like accurate yeah I
1: can
0: totally picture
1: that all right so are you still picturing it Uh-huh. what you are picturing is only one version of that painting what there are four there are four different versions of the scream they were painted between 1893 and 1910. two of them are painted and two of them are pastels okay um One of the painted versions is owned by the National Gallery in Oslo. That's the 1893 version. The Munk Museum, also in Oslo, owns the other painted version, which was painted in 1910 and a pastel from 1893. I'm totally looking them up. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty cool. Uh, And the second pastel, done in 1895, was sold in 2012 to financier Leon Black for... (laughs) $119,922,600. Okay. At some point, like, why $600? (laughs) That's when the other person stopped putting their little placard up. (laughs) I guess so,
0: but like, that's such a random... I just, I was
1: waiting for cents. Well, right. (laughs) I sort of expected
0: it to be like something ridiculous and arbitrary. And 37 cents. Right.
1: Uh, That was the fourth highest price paid for a painting at auction. Wow. Wow. In 1895, Monk created a lithograph stone of The Scream, and about four dozen prints were made by him before that stone was resurfaced by the printer in Monk's absence. (gasps) No!
0: What? (laughs) Why would you ever do that?
1: (laughs) So much to my personal dismay, these paintings don't travel very much. There was a Monk uh, exhibition in the San Francisco MoMA last Mm -hmm. fall that I went to, and I was like, Is the Scream going to be there? And it was not. They don't travel. Uh, I know. I was really disappointed. But I also had never really looked at the rest of his art. And now there are two hanging in my house because I liked it a lot. That's cool. Oh, wow. His. Is that the 1910?
0: Yeah. They're very like they're. They're different. Exactly. They're the same, but they're very different.
1: Yeah. So the the one that you are probably picturing is the 1893. That's the first one. Yeah. Well, actually, it might not be the first. That might be a lie. But it was the 1893. There was a pastel done in 1893. And then the 1910 one is, is different.
0: Yeah, it's creepier.
1: Yes, it's much creepier.
0: No, the one I was picturing is definitely the painted one. Yep, the 1893. 1893. Mm-hmm. Um, The pastel 1893 one just sort of looks like I sketched out what I planned on painting. Yes. It's not very good. Um, Although the 1895 pastel one is... The most detailed, yeah. yeah. But the 1910 one is starting to get
1: ghostly. Yeah, it's creepy. So anyway, these don't travel much. I haven't seen The Scream. I'm very sad about it. I'm going to have to go to Norway. <laughs> um, the 1893 pastel was displayed at the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam for a while in 2015. And Leon Black, who paid a mind blowing. huge amount of money lent his pastel to the moment in New York between October 2012 and April of 2013 but in general you have to go to Oslo to see the scream Mm -hmm. so maybe that's why people keep stealing it oh picture it Norway 1994 the 1994 Winter Olympics were being held in Lillehammer which is about 84 miles from Oslo.
0: I was just going to say, how far is that from
1: Oslo? <laughs> I was like, no, no, she's going to tell me. It's about 84 miles. <laughs> While the Olympics are always exciting, this year was especially so because it was the year that Tanya Harding conspired <gasps> to whack Nancy Kerrigan in the knee. Oh. And then both of them were beat out by a 16-year-old Ukrainian with a heartbreaking backstory, Oksana Bayul. Wow.
0: That seems like both so long ago and so current.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not here to talk about sports. Thank God, because that is not this podcast. (laughs) I am never anywhere to talk about sports. No no sports ball. So since Oslo is so close to Lillehammer, the city prepared for the huge influx of visitors that it figured it was about to receive. And one of those preparations was undertaken by Norway's National Museum. The museum put together a showcase of Norwegian culture, and they moved the screen from its usual place on the first floor. Note to all of the Americans, that's actually the second floor.
0: Right, because it's not the ground
1: floor. Yes. So they moved it from the first floor down to the ground floor, to a gallery (laughs) down there. They moved it from the first floor to the first floor. to the first floor. While it's generally acknowledged by folks that run museums that those first floors are hardest to secure, the gallery looked at their security setup. They figured that their cameras and their alarm systems and and all that were were sufficient to protect their treasures. Yeah, they were wrong. Uh, Of course, they were. At 6.30 a.m. on February 12th, 1994, the same day as the Olympic opening ceremony.
0: Oh, very clever.
1: The museum's alarms went off. Yeah, but 6.30 in the morning.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: The alarm alerted a guard, good, who called the police. And the police arrived within minutes, but it was too late.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Footage from the security cameras showed two men climbing a ladder on the outside of the building, falling off the ladder, (laughs) climbing up again. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Smashing the window, cutting the scream from the wall with wire cutters. Oh, my gosh. And retreating back outside. The entire operation took 50 seconds. Wow. Also, I have a picture. Oh, wow. That's the ladder. So. And also, like, for those of you listening at home, this is not really a true ground floor. No. This is a good half story up. It is.
0: Yeah, it's definitely raised. Yeah, there
1: there is a tall... Like, I'd fall off that ladder.
0: <laughs> well, especially
1: at that angle would be
0: very challenging. It would be I very like challenging. A ladder
1: straight up and down would be easier. Well, and there's snow. It's February. Yeah, no. Like, it could have
0: slid. But also, insult to injury that your thieves, who still took under a minute to steal something from your amazing security system, couldn't climb a ladder and right. they still managed. <laughs> so
1: the thieves left something. They left a postcard that said,
0: Did they leave the ladder? They did. Okay. I was going to say they left a couple things.
1: They left a couple things. (laughs) The postcard? They left a postcard that said, Thanks for the poor security. (gasps) Wow. I also saw a translation that indicated that it said, Thousand thanks for the bad security. Oh, my (laughs) God. I don't know which one is correct. Either way. Right. Pretty great. Whoa. So uh, hours later, the museum's director. Knutberg, uh-huh, I'm guessing on that one, told the press that it was impossible to estimate the value of this painting and that the scream was, quote, Norway's most valuable, monks most renowned, and it would be impossible to sell. Because uh. there's no resale market for a painting this famous. And because the Olympics were literally starting that day, it was speculated that it was a publicity stunt. Oh, a few days later, a Norwegian anti-abortion group claimed responsibility and said that the painting would be returned if Norwegian television showed an anti-abortion film. They didn't. They weren't.
0: Yeah, that's just um, weird. Yeah.
1: The government also received a demand for a million dollars in ransom, but they refused to pay because it couldn't be proved that it was legitimate at all. Right. The National Gallery turned to Scotland Yard's Arts and Antiques squad for help. It turns out British police are heavily involved in tracking down stolen art in Europe, mostly because about 60% of it ends up in London. Really? Yes, they've got a huge stolen art squad. Wow. Yeah. I'm learning too much stuff today. I know, there's so much learning. So the painting's considered unsellable. Right. Too famous. Who's gonna buy it? That's crazy. Right. You can't yeah, you can't right.
0: claim that it's legit and <laughs> show it off.
1: Well, and you can't like go to somebody on a street corner and be like, got the Right, right. <laughs> um so it's unsellable, but the police were concerned that thieves would destroy it. Right, because it's unsellable and they it, can't return it. Right. What else are you gonna do with it? And this concern was heightened because they found four pieces of the frame that had held no. the scream at bus stops and other places around Oslo. Oh yeah. They also found around one of those frames a cryptic message that might have been a ransom note. It was a little unclear what what that might have been. Interesting. So these British detectives posed posed as art dealers, and through their networks, they were able to get in contact with the thieves, and they began negotiating a sale. And there's actually an interview, uh, it's a BBC interview with one of the de- detectives that worked on it. Uh-huh. And he talked about, um, you know, they kind of activated their underground networks, yeah. but they also worked with the Getty. Okay. And they uh, got help from the Getty to set it up like these detectives were buying art for the the Getty in Europe. Oh. So kind of legitimate, not a private, you know... Yeah. Not a private collector.
0: Right. Not some rando who very well is an undercover detective. Right. No. So like, they
1: like they set up this whole thing, legitimacy. There was a lot of relationship building between these guys oh. and the people that had, that had the painting. Like, they got vouched. Like, it was really intricate. So after a bunch of wrangling, a bunch of this relationship building and whatnot, the art dealers were invited. I saw two different things. Either the guy that was interviewed said it was the summer home. Something else said it was like a summer resort. Okay. Whatever. They are invited to the summer house of one of the thieves in... Oh, Christ. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what
0: you get for choosing a hard country.
1: <laughs> you would think, having lived in Minnesota most of my life, that I could pronounce some Scandinavian things, and I can't. So I did make Google translate, her like, pronounce this for me. I believe it is Ushgorshtrand. Wow. <laughs> but it looks like... Asgard Strand. Oh. And isn't Asgard like Yeah. Yeah, okay. How do you know that? Liam watched a lot of um Superhero Squad.
0: I gotcha. was I gotcha. that what it's called? I don't Superhero
1: know. Superhero Squad, yeah. You can picture the song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so wait, I have a question about this deal though. Mm. I don't know if you know or if I'm just missing it, but So they were pretending to be from a legitimate place Mm. trying to purchase art. Were they telling the thieves that like, yeah, we know it's stolen, but we want to buy it anyway?
1: So... I have, have looked for a really long time about details about the investigation, how they found these people, how they partner with the guy. Like, I look, there's nothing. Well, no, the I most you don't want to
0: give away those
1: right secrets. So the most detail was actually in that interview that I saw that, from the BBC, and it was like three minutes long. Yeah. So still not much detail. But every story I read, everything I looked at just glossed right the hell over. It went from painting stolen, painting recovered. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to... We found it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they found it. I had nothing right, it. right.
0: No, I just. I guess I was trying to think like, if I'm a thief, I assume the person I am selling to is aware it is stolen. Right, because but they were, it's unsellable.
1: They were also desperate, so they started out. I mean, remember that not too long ago, a sketch a pastel of this painting sold for over 116 million dollars right these these dumbasses started out saying we want a million for it and the detectives are like i ain't paying a million it's stolen and they got them down to 250,000. oh my god
0: (laughs) wow so
1: they knew they couldn't sell it they weren't gonna make a ton of money like it was gonna like they just they weren't they weren't good at what they did.
0: Well, right, but I just, like, if I'm selling to a private collector, I assume we all know that this is a criminal activity and that they can't tell on me because they are engaging in a criminal activity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if I'm selling to a legitimate place surely they know it's stolen because they would know that kind of stuff
1: well or did they try something to the effect of you know this is a lost monk that wasn't in a museum my granny had it in her attic you know i don't know because again there's there's nothing about how this went down
0: or maybe even like hey we're not gonna ask any questions we're not gonna try to we just want this and we'll, we'll pay we'll pay for it right
1: not that much Right, not that much, but you know, like... I'd like a bargain on a my A decent mom, house. Yeah, yeah. Um, So they were invited to the summer home, and the painting was being stored under the carpet in the kitchen.
0: Oh my God, that kind of makes me sick, and I don't even care that much about art. No. <laughs> well, and the, the
1: detective, apparently the way to get to it was like down through it, like kind of a cellar hatch in the kitchen. Yeah. And the thieves are like, it's down there. Like, go ahead and get it. And the detective was like, no, this is how you end up serial killed. You yeah, get no, it. right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, look, I am not sure what else is going on well, here, I, but I know I'm not it, going down like, there. And
1: he said something like, no, 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 this is, no, no, no. And the the thief was like, oh, yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> like, you're right. That's <laughs> you're not right. cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you shouldn't do that. Good on you. Yeah. So the detective uh, did note that it was fitting that the painting was recovered in oh uh-huh asgard stand, sure <laughs> because monk once owned a cottage there and he painted lots of his famous works there wow yeah they brought it home they did accidentally thereby completing the karmic circle there you go <laughs> <laughs> what is that from that is from my orientation speech there you
0: go <laughs> i'm like what movie is that from i've seen it recently no that's
1: not <laughs> on monday yep in January of 1996, four men were convicted and sentenced in connection with the theft. However, on appeal, the convictions of three of the four of them were reversed because the undercover detectives had entered Norway using false identities, and that's a violation of Norwegian law. Oh my gosh! So this group was led by mm-hmm. Paul Enger, P A L. Um. I was like, how could you mess up Paul? Because because there (laughs) there are vowels I don't understand in there. So it was led by this guy named Enger. He had previously been convicted of stealing monks, the vampire in Oslo in 1988. Oh my gosh. For participating in the theft of the scream, he was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. He escaped from prison in 1999. And he was captured 12 days later Wearing a blonde wig and dark sunglasses, trying to buy a train ticket into Copenhagen. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But wait, there's more. Oh, my gosh. All right. He's now out of jail. He is a legitimate art buyer. Wow. And in 2001, he bought his first monk an unsigned lithograph of The Scream. Um, you would have to, right? Oh, like 100%. after
0: that had been your life, you'd have to be like, "Well, okay, here's why I have this painting." Yep. There's a
1: pretty, or maybe they tried to tell him it was a lithograph. That makes sense because the next thing I'm going to tell you tells oh. us why we know we have the right one. So, um, there's a picture of him with his lithograph. It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> if you're ever in Oslo and you're not sure which version of the scream you're looking at. Have a look at the railing to the right of the figure's elbow. Okay. The 1893 version has a spatter of wax there from when the artist himself blew out a candle too close to the canvas.
0: Wow. And it survived the theft. Everything.
1: They they said it was came back in very good condition. They had obviously taken good care of it. Well, yeah, I mean it
0: seems like he was an actual, like, art lover. and Yeah, like, knowledgeable absolutely. And
1: yeah, yeah. He'd previously stolen the vampire. Like, he's obviously a monk fan.
0: Right, right. And now he's, like, legit.
1: Now it's, he's legit, yeah. I
0: I don't want to like him, but... I really like him. I kind him. of... I do. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy for him. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I mean... I know people would definitely argue, but I think in the scheme, like the, uh, of all the different crimes, like that, it's not a harmless thing to be sure, but it is not, he didn't eat anyone. Yeah. He didn't burn grandmothers. Like, he yeah, just, no,
1: he just stole art.
0: Right. And, and so then for that, you accept your consequences, you do that, and then you can have a life. Yep. And also
1: the, the scream has been stolen again. I went on the the lamb for about three years in the early two thousands. Oh man! I think that was that might have been the nineteen ten version. Um, mm, yeah. But yeah, I guess If
0: there are if there are multiples, the uh, chances that it's going to be stolen increase. <laughs>
1: The I believe it was the 1910 version that was stolen, and it was stolen along with another monk painting, and I don't remember which one, but when they were recovered, they were hung together in the National Gallery uh. under a lot of like heavy plastic. Right, <laughs> even more security than
0: they thought they had to begin with. I had yeah. to look up a picture of this, and this is just a print of it. But you can see the wax on the print. Mm-hmm. That's really cool.
1: And that's what the, the detective that they interviewed said, that that's how he knew it, it was the real one. It was the one they were looking for, is when he had studied up, that is what he had noticed. That's kind of the tell on on that that's one. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Have I ever told you about why I love art? No. In the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, there's a a room that's impressionist, because that's really what I like, is kind of the the impressionist and post-impressionist stuff. And there's a Van Gogh. It's one of the olive trees ones. Uh Uh-huh. And paintings aren't painted in rectangles. No. And the way this painting is framed, you can see the raw canvas along the edges.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And Van Gogh took that. It looks like cardboard. Yeah. That's what all of these say is like cardboard. It's, it's cardboard. And he put paint on it. Yeah. And he made magic. Yeah. And that's why I love art. That's cool.
0: My guy made magic with fire.
1: Fire is also magic.
0: True. But not, not the same. <laughs> now I have to look up the go. I've, I've been sitting over here looking at art the entire time you're telling the story, mm-hmm. which really, I, I would advise everyone to go back to the beginning and start over and look at art while she yeah. tells
1: the story.
0: <laughs> if you aren't already. I wish there weren't any dead people in my story because then we would have had like, I mean, not a good week. It's crime. It's never going to be right. a good week. Never a
1: great week.
0: But it would have been a much more uplifting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or at least like lighthearted. Yeah. Huh. Cool. That's what I got. Awesome. I like it. All right. Diana, what do we need to do this week?
1: All right. We got some talking about cool people to do. Awesome. I'm ready. All right. Crime Crazy is sponsored by M Gillum and Elizabeth Wilder.
0: Woohoo! Yay! All cool people start with E. That's true.
1: Hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, um, that is my cat in the background and not a child. Yes. <laughs> She's fine. She just
1: wants attention. It's fine. Show sponsors support Crime Crazy through Patreon at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. woo A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support Crime Crazy, please check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash crimecrazypod or search for Crime Crazy Podcast. All patrons get a monthly shout-out on the show. I don't have any new review shout outs. Um, if we have not given you a shout out for a review, it is probably because we don't know about it. So please right. feel free to tell us about Let it. Us we know. will give you a shout out.
0: Well, and we've gotten some more emails and things recently and some more messages. So I, I kind of feel like we're probably missing some reviews because okay. usually, usually they go hand in hand, but right. um, also Diana's about to tell you how to get in touch with us, but uh, guys keep it up. It's amazing. And I love it. We
1: love it. If you'd like to receive a shout out, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice. We give shout outs for all reviews. But we like the five star ones the best. Yes, we do. You can follow Crime Crazy on Facebook. We're at crimecrazy.com slash crimecrazypod. From there, you can catch up on the conversation by joining one of two of the Crime Crazy groups. Just depends on whether or not you want your families to know that you like crime. That's right. So we have both a public and private group. You You can join them both. Absolutely. Um, but the private, you know, like what happens in the Crime Crazy Private Group stays in the Crime Crazy Private Group. That's right. Won't end up on next week's episode unless you want it to. That's right. You got to tell us. Right. You can also follow us on Twitter at Crime Crazy Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Crime Crazy Pod. You can visit our website at crimecrazypodcast.com Crazy dot com where I'm starting to add show notes if you would like more information about what we cover. Diana is a saint. That is so much work. <laughs> I literally just copied the links that I keep. And I know, but we've there. been
0: doing this for over a year, and I've <laughs> never managed. Like, it takes everything I have to get it edited and uploaded with like some kind of description. Like going back and putting references. It's
1: never gonna happen. That's why you keep me around. That's right. Or email us at crimecrazypodcast at gmail You can follow us on Twitter. You're at Aaron Pline. I'm at Diana underscore Secon. Follow us on Instagram. You're at Eplime. And I'm at Classy underscore broad underscore MSP. I'm going to change it. It's her favorite Instagram handle ever. I love it, but it is unwieldy. But
0: it's easy. Like, it's still easy. It is. So, Diana, as we close
1: out our episode, do you have any advice for us?
0: I know you do because I saw in your notebook where you have a whole section (laughs) to write it down.
1: But I didn't write anything down.
0: Oh, what? That's no good. I got
1: something. Oh, okay. What advice do you have for us this week? Go find some art. Ooh. Find what you like. It doesn't have to be paintings. It doesn't have to be sculpture. Go find some music. Go find a play. Go find... Just go find something. Go make something. Go yarn bomb shit. I don't care. I love yarn bombing. It's pretty it makes great. me so happy. It's pretty great. Go find something pretty. Go make something pretty.
0: Definitely. I like that advice. I think I'll do it. Yeah. I think when we're done here... I'm going to go bullet journal, which I is kind of like art.
1: It is, it is like art. <laughs> <laughs> your journals are art. <laughs> My journals are, are doodle tastic. They are. Call your people.
0: Yes, call your people.
1: And don't end up on next week's episode.